Don't judge a book by its cover. How many of you all have heard that statement? Do you remember where you heard that before? Anyone remember? When you were being judgmental. There's my sermon. I can go home. (laughs) Don't judge a book by its cover. Does anyone remember where they have heard this from? Yes, go ahead and put on those sunglasses. It is a bright, bright evening. (laughs) Don't judge a book by its cover, a librarian says to a young reader as they are scrunching their nose at a feeble-bound edition of Huckleberry Finn. Don't judge a book by their cover, a mother says to her daughter navigating tough friendships in middle school. Don't judge a book by its cover, a grandmother advises her grandson with two acceptance packages, but one choice to make. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's a phrase that has been repeated over and over again to caution us against making split decisions based on assumptions. But it's one that's rarely followed, is it not? Isn't it true that we live in a world that is guided by the implicit judgments we make with what our eyes can see. So much so, in fact, that researchers have identified a pattern of behavior that they have called the what is beautiful is good stereotype. It's the underlying belief that external attractiveness or what is pleasing to the eye signifies a positive internal quality. It's why Hollywood stars attractive actors and actresses in leading roles. It's why jewelry stores use models to show off their diamonds. Even infants have been shown to look at attractive, symmetrical faces for longer amounts of time than the faces that are not as symmetrical. Whether we like it or not, We live in a world that is dominated by the immediate judgments we make at first glance. And this evening, we find Samuel facing this very dilemma as he is sent by God to find the next king of Israel. We join him this evening on his mission in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. And this evening, I invite you to pay attention to the biases that you may share with Samuel on this quest for royalty. I also invite you to take notice of where the Holy Spirit pulls your attention, what word or phrase. And as we usually do, I will invite you to share that word or phrase with, with us after we read And if you're joining us online, again, put that word or phrase in the comment section for us. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, 
How long are you going to grieve over Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and get going. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found my next king among his sons. How can I do that? Samuel asked. When Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say, I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will make it clear to you what you should do. You will anoint for me the person I point out to you. Samuel did what the Lord instructed. When he came to Bethlehem, the city elders came to meet him. They were shaking with fear. Do you, do you come in peace? They asked. Yes, Samuel answered. I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Now make yourselves holy, then come to me and come with me to the sacrifice. Samuel made Jesse and his sons holy and invited them to the sacrifice as well. When they arrived, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, that's him. That must be the Lord's anointed right in front. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature because I haven't selected him. God does not look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Next, Jesse called for Abinadab, who presented himself to Samuel, but he said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen this one. Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hasn't picked any of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Is that all of your boys? There is still the youngest one, Jesse answered, but he's out keeping the sheep. Send for him, Samuel told Jesse because we can't proceed until he gets here. So Jesse sent and brought him in. He was reddish brown, had beautiful eyes, and was good looking. The Lord said, that's the one. Go anoint him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him right there in front of his brothers. The Lord's Spirit came over David from that point forward. My friends, this is the word of God given to all of us as the children of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, we invite you to meet us here in this moment. Open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to hear what it is that you will have us hear this evening. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So what part of this story drew your attention, my friends? 
the last son, the very last one. Mm. Yes? Make yourself holy. Make yourself holy. What a picture. After years of walking alongside Saul, advising him and offering bits of wisdom, we can imagine that Samuel knew exactly what Israel needed in their next king. As he made his way toward Bethlehem, pulling a slow and probably very stubborn cow with a rope, I could imagine that he was forming a checklist in his mind of qualities fit for a king, a strong, broad-chested man with military prowess and keen discernment skills, a natural-born leader able to create and maintain advantageous relationships, a politician able to withstand every type of scrutiny. The closer he drew to Bethlehem, the longer this list grew. After Jesse gathered all of his worthy sons, Samuel approached the first like a military inspection. If you have seen a military inspection, they sidestep to the right, look up and down, looking for imperfections, and then to the left, up and down. Or maybe it was more immediate, as the scripture says, as he quickly checked off the list of qualifications in his mind, pondering, are you the king of the Jews? Just as Samuel considered his work complete, his mission accomplished, God says, don't judge a book by its cover, Samuel. God doesn't look at things like humans do. You see what is visible to the eyes. I see into the heart. The inspection continued until all the presented sons were dismissed. But there was one son missing, not presented, considered unqualified, and unworthy, and uncounted. But God said, as Samuel approached that small shepherd boy, the one casted aside and counted out, God said, that's him. That cast aside, small statured shepherd boy, would be the very boy to conquer giants, lead the nation of Israel into an unmatched season of peace and prosperity, and sprout the branch holding the eternal king of the Jews. If David could have been completely left out of the kingly equation based on his outward appearance, who else has this humanly vision left out. 
Who else have we counted out solely based on what we can see on the outside? Could it be the teenager with loud music and ripped jeans and lots of eye makeup? Could it be the mom in the grocery store with screaming and unruly children? Could it be the lonely man with an unkind comment for everything under the heavens? The past few weeks, someone in our own community has been a David-like example for me. And we all know him. Hi, Chase. Chase is a friend that has been coming to our uh, our chapel service for a couple of weeks now. And we've all seen him speed rolling in on his wheelchair and using the communication device that we heard moments ago. With exuberant joy, he shows us and this world that people with different abilities and exceptionalities are so much more than meets the eye. After getting to know Chase's story before service one evening just a few weeks ago, I invited him outside with me to greet all of us as we entered into the chapel service. So I go on ahead of Chase as he was coming behind me, and I prop the door open as I do, and I turn and look behind me, and Chase does something I did not expect. Chase, do you remember what you did? No, you don't? Chase grabbed bulletins. It seems like something trivial because, of course, if you are a greeter, you would pass out bulletins. But it was at that moment that I realized that in my invitation to greeting, I, in my mind, limited Chase's capacity to serve based on what I assumed would be easiest for him. In that moment, all I could do was watch you in awe, relishing in that holy moment as Chase handed each of you a bulletin with a smile and welcomed you to worship in the only way that Chase can, the best way, in fact. You see what is visible but I see the heart. What if God's directive to Samuel was not a correction or a moment of scolding by God, but an invitation? An invitation to see the whole of a person rather than simply relying on what our eyes perceive. What if God is inviting us to see the world as it could be, the possibilities for God's kingdom to become manifest here and now? Because the moment the bulletin landed in each of your hands and Chase's smile greeted each of you, I caught a glimpse of what the world ought to look like through Chase. But the skill of having godlike vision is not something that we do naturally. 
It's something that is cultivated and practiced over time, over the course of our lives. After God opened this invitation for Samuel to have this God-like whole person vision, God could have immediately steered him directly to David's direction. But God didn't. Instead, God gave Samuel space to practice and cultivate this new way of seeing with Abinadab, then Shammah, then seven more of Jesse's sons, each time listening for the voice of God, considering each son by the power of the Holy Spirit, over and over again until the king appeared in David. That's the invitation for us this evening, to practice the skill of God-like vision with our neighbors across the street that you might only see taking out their trash cans once a week, with a son who may not be making the best choices with his life. We practice God-like vision of peering all the way into someone's heart by spending time with those people who we have overlooked, by listening to their stories, by facing the assumptions that we have made head on to uncover the truth lying hidden beneath the surface all the way to the heart. We practice and practice and practice with anyone and everyone that we encounter. Because when we see with God's vision, we just might catch a glimpse of the one true king. Amen.